You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Roger coming to you on Monday, the 3rd of December. We've got a great show lined up without Marty this week, but that's all right. We've got a lot to talk about still. Before we get into, well, the, the more modern stuff, <laughs> I've been talking a lot about playing Doom lately, and I know it's an older game, but we've always said, you know, if you haven't played it, it's new to you kind of thing. And it's I know not that old either. It's not that old either. Plus, with the other one that's going to be coming out soon-ish, I don't know exactly when, it is actually a good time for people who have not played it to really give it a serious look. And it's always on sale right now. And if you do have the Game Pass uh, for Microsoft, you can just play the fucking thing. Now, I'm not going to go into a ton of details about it because we have talked about it in the past. Well, we, you two have. And and it's it wasn't the story so much. Well, it kind of is, but it's, it's how important story can be even in a game like doom and for some reason it really struck me in this game and i think part of it is um, clearly just how spectacular the game is and how it allows you to play uh, how you want to play it once again to push the Arlo videos. I watched a review that he did of this game too, and he was talking about, you know, if you just want to go in and have fun killing demons, you can do that. If you want to go in and get a good story, you can do that as well. And when I started playing it, see, this is where I'm going to blame the second thing, which is my my standard, the pain meds. Um, when I started playing, I just wanted something that I can go in, zone out, shoot a whole bunch of things, and I figured that would be Doom, and it, and, it, and it did. It hooked me right away, and it was like, okay, this is fun. And I was kind of halfway paying attention to everything that was happening, once again, just because I was fucking high on pain meds. So as much fun as I was having, um, I found that I was, I was playing a, a specific way, uh, like how I often play a game, a, a shooter game, which is, a little bit more uh, tactically. So I'm not just rushing in guns blazing all the time. Sometimes I am if you just want to, you know, have fun and you don't care about dying all the time. But I've, I've always liked the idea of, you know what, hold back, dance around a little bit, make it harder for them and things like that. And it's not because I play at the hardest difficulty levels, not by any stretch. I play down the middle and that's fine. But it just, that's my play style. And, um, and I was doing that with this game. Now, what happened is that at one point, I again, I was paying attention to the story at various times. <laughs> again, some shit kind of came in waves. <laughs> and so at one point, I discovered that I wasn't just some resurrected soldier that had been, you know, sent there or who was there with the rest of the crew that when ter- shit turned bad, but that you're an actual demon hunter. I don't know what the exact terminology was. The Doom Slayer. Yeah, your entire purpose is to kill these demons. 
the moment I heard that, and it's not because I haven't played other games, first-person shooters, where your character has a justification for what it is that they do and things like that. I have. Some do it well, some not so well. Destiny 2 did a very good job of, you are this character, and here's why you're awesome, etc., etc. But I still, it still, that didn't change the way I played the game. The moment I found out that I was this Doomslayer, and even more so than that, there's points where you activate these... Uh, these kind of uh, tablet things, stone tablet monuments or whatever, and you get a story told to you from the perspective of the demons, and it's kind of like a lore chronicler for demons telling stories. And at one point, you're listening to one of these stories, and they're talking about, and, and again, I didn't realize right away that this was necessarily some fucking demon telling a story. I thought maybe it was something else, some other character in the game or whatever. And um, and at, there's a point where they're talking and saying, like, we can do all this. We will we'll, we'll be able to rule Earth and, and, and everything else. Just whatever you do, do not resurrect this person. <laughs> and that's when I realized, shit, they're talking about me. And they're like, because that's the one person that can screw this for all of us. Now, at that point, things really changed. Because now I'm thinking, these motherfuckers are scared of me. (laughs) (laughs) And it changed entirely the way that I played the game. And because this is a game that is played better by playing like that, it is more fun, and it's designed to be breakneck speed, it was so much more fun and more gratifying. So even something, I don't want to say as simple as, because I understand there's a lot of mechanics in shooter games and whatnot, but a lot of people do think of them as light on story. But even this, again, shooter game where you the, the principle is go shoot some demons, the story had such a profound impact in how I played the game that the moment I found this, I was, fuck this hanging back, I was rushing in with a grin on my face, and and it was glorious. I, I finished it off. I have no qualms about saying that my son helped me with the final boss because <laughs> I got to a point where it was like, I've had it with this. Like, I can only beat my head against a wall and get to 5% enough times. So I handed him the controller, and I said, here, you want to try? And he said, you sure? I said, yeah, go ahead. Motherfucker did it in, like, the first try. <laughs> and he pauses at the end. He says, here, you can have the last shot. And I went, no, no, you earned it. Trust me. <laughs> and uh but yeah it was it was a lot of fun to to watch him playing with it too and having fun cuz he's been watching me periodically but not throughout the whole thing but all that just to say again if you haven't played this game definitely play it and if you if you've got the brain cells to to muster it pay attention to the story because man as you find out little things here and there it the potential is there for this to again radically change the way you play it to have a lot more fun it's real similar in that regard to like, uh, I guess it makes sense, but uh, you know, Wolfenstein, like the way that the, the way that the character is portrayed and the way that the character is reacted to by the, like the NPCs, the villains, the people that you're going to fight, like it has a divine impact on how you play that game. Cause like, I, like you're saying, like you felt with doom, it's very similar there. And then there's like ebbs and flows with the story. And, I love when a first person shooter 
especially a single player first person yeah. shooter uh, has sort of that gameplay, that story woven into it. It makes all the difference of the world to me. See, the best part about it to me is that all of that story, like the game didn't present it to you. Like as the player, you had to go find that stuff. You had to take the time to to read the logs and this and that, because the best part about it is, like you said, you're the resurrected Doom Slayer. You're literally the character from the original Doom games brought back. And it's like Ripley in the Alien sequels. She's been in cryogenic sleep for so many years, she wakes up and sees that these assholes are still fucking with the aliens. Just like this guy comes back from the dead and sees they didn't stop messing around with demons, and he's pissed. He doesn't care why. He doesn't care about the story. Like, the player character actively avoids the story <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> the, he only has one objective. And I love that. How, for people who don't care about the story the game does not get in your way at all. If you just want to play the game and shoot stuff, this is a hundred percent that, but for those who want to take some extra time and get something else out of the game, it's there and in a good quality as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a lot of fun actually unraveling a lot of the different things that were done and you get the different, uh, the little packs that you pick up here and there too, that have some, some of the lore attached to it. There's, a surprising amount and it's funny because again I've, I've played the other doom games but they were very much for me at the time less about the stories and more go in and have fun shooting shit most of the time in the dark <laughs> and i really enjoyed that so this was more of a shock for me for just how impactful i found it uh moving on from there and to cuter things joe how far have you gotten into uh let's go pokemon are you nearing the end or i'm done oh you are done as well um mm -hmm. i'm curious what you think now and we're not going to go too long on this but a lot of what i had been saying when we were talking about it a few weeks ago was i'll have to see once i get further in to see whether or not this is a concern for me or not as it turns out, at least for me, yeah, it was. Because the system for me, I found, was so easy that I was able to, like, wipe the floor with all of the, like, finish all the, the gyms and and then head out, get the, the legendary birds with next to no effort, which should not be the case, beat the, um, the, the league like nothing because of all the candies that you get and and the leveling shit and whatnot and because of how strong your ev or poke or, or pikachu is um i had boosted up my ev to like over 70 because i had the candy increased all of, of her stats as well and and such and she had good abilities so i literally just kick walk through the league and then through my 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 friend Nemesis, and then I went and caught um, Mewtwo in no time flat. That was a joke, and that was it. Like the the Mewtwo fight was a little challenging, but I did it in one try. Like there was five seconds left, so it was gripping. It was like holy shit, I'm not gonna do it. And then it was like boom, I used a mirror ability on one character, and it was like there that's all she wrote, and I used the master Pokeball. And then I finished, and I went back a couple of times, but never for very long, because there is quite literally nothing for me to do. There's no reason for me to level up a Poke team 
because there's no legendaries, there's nothing for me to do. And the trainers that are around, what I didn't realize initially because I hadn't finished it was they're individual for each Pokemon that you have to level that one to max to fight them off. It's like painstaking. Uh, that's utter stupidity for me. And so, yeah, I like I finished it way too fast because the mechanics were so simple. And now mm. I've, I've finished off so, every NPC as well. So this is where we are going to disagree pretty vehemently because Pokemon's always been easy. Pokemon's always been simple. And a lot of people seem to confuse time sync with difficulty. Like Pokemon Yellow has always been this easy if you want to grind. And the only difference between grinding then and grinding now is it's not as much of a time sink. It's not easier. It's not harder. It just doesn't take as much time. Um, I still love the game. And I actually think like after completing it, that this might actually be my favorite Pokemon experience so far because of that. Partially because one of the things that I've, I've really come to appreciate as I get older is that I don't have a fuck ton of time to sit there and grind shit. And even getting through the most recent 3DS uh, Pokemon games have been longer hauls for me than they really should be because I have to grind levels, because I have to go and, and do X, Y, Z, and they take a whole lot more time to, to, to really grind those things out. I don't really want that anymore. So this, with the, the simplified catching mechanic, um, I think is absolutely fantastic. I think it's great. I like the mechanic of having to fight the legendary creatures uh, before you capture them, but then you get to capture them. I think that's fine. Um, and I found that the only difference between the two for me, actually having recently replayed through yellow, is nothing but the time. That's it. So... I was perfectly fine with it. I think it's great. I think the graphics are great. I love the mechanics of it. Um, I understand your thoughts about the candies, and I think they may have gone a little bit overboard with that. Um, not, not necessarily that it's a bad idea, but I think you did get a lot of candies, and that that's and I can understand that. Uh, but I, I'm perfectly content with it to the point where, like, I think it's probably the best Pokemon game they've put out. Okay, let me clarify something as well, and that is that. I don't think it's a bad game, and I did enjoy it. The thing is, is that, like other games, I feel, again, for the cost of this game and the amount of hours put in, I did not feel it was worth it. Now, had I picked it up on sale, which is what I should have done, had I picked it up on sale, there would be literally no, no problem for me because it'd be like, okay, well, that would, I got my money's worth out of it. But for me, I was expecting... And, and yes, I'm equating difficulty with, with grinding because it's a common thing that people understand what I mean when I say that. It's not that it's a difficult game to play. It's just you need to put in the hours. But that's, again, we talked about that before, equating it to people who enjoy raiding. That I don't want to do that because I feel that's a waste of time, but I'll happily grind my Pokemons to get the, the perfect team kind of thing and not feel necessarily that that was a waste of time. So it's it's different strokes kind of things. And and that's fine. Had I got it cheaper, I would have been I would have been fine. Because the rest of the game, while there's a lot of it that I felt was simplified even more, still 
was a lot of fun. I The upscale graphics when you're viewing it on a bigger TV or monitor, you can really notice. But in handheld, my God, it looked fantastic. So I am looking forward to the RPG that's going to be following this, which they've said is going to have a lot more to it as well. Yeah, and one of the things that I do enjoy about this, and I don't mind the the price of it, is because for me... I'm a completionist. I will go through and try to hunt all of the Pokemon. That's fun for me. And it's a lot more fun than like, you know, I know you enjoy the battles and stuff like that. But for me, I feel that the, the value is there because I'm still playing the game, looking for the Pokemon that aren't in my collection. And that's, that's just what I like to do. And it doesn't feel it to me. It doesn't feel as grindy. And I like the fact that I can like pick it up, go find it or go try to find it drop the game and not have to worry about it and it's it's good and i and i'm really looking forward to the mainline game the next one in the series when it comes out for the switch because i'm really curious what they're going to adjust what they're going to put into it and, and how expansive it's going to be yeah definitely okay moving on from there and this is the main one that I wanted to talk about is the Alpha 4 Temtem came out. Now, we talked about this some time ago when the Kickstarter was going on. I backed it in the early bird, which was like 30, 35 bucks. And I figured, what the hell? I, I will either play it on PC or on Switch when it comes out and, and we'll see. And so the Alpha came out and I got into it I in like the third maybe batch of keys I went out and I installed it and, and started mucking about in there pretty much right away now it is alpha so they've made it very clear a lot of things can change we will see as we're going along and i've been in enough alphas and betas to understand how it works and to expect bugs and different things like that and do and also to the point of different things uh which are very noticeable in in this type of game and that's the um the 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 progression in terms of the levels of the trainers or the Temtems that you are coming across in the wild kind of thing. And that's something that they're going to have to work on fixing without a doubt, because every once in a while there is a massive fucking gap. And they, I find that the, the, the trainers that you come across in the wild, much like Pokemon, um, are very static. They just stand there. They wait. There's no escaping out of anything. And they are sometimes brutal when they take you down because they're significantly high level. And there's no option yet, at least that I have found, to be able to heal during a fight. Afterwards, yes, but I can't find how to do it during a fight. So you can kind of bounce around and change, but you can't heal up unless you have an ability that does so. And then if you lose a fight, you get taken back, quote-unquote revived, at what would amount to the last save spot. So, like, for the first little bit, you're going back to your home, which is a trek. And then once you get to the next town, then the, quote-unquote, the, essentially the Poke Center is if you kind of get beaten a fight partway through a dungeon and it, like, multiple floors you're going all the way back there. That shit's got to change. I'm really hoping it changes because that's fucking annoying as all hell. And then I don't know if it's a bug in the system. I'm going to assume that it is because if you have a full team and you tame a Temtem in the wild, uh, it was not appearing in the bank. And so it was almost as if it was disappearing. 
and that was not cool either. Um, the story has some elements that are very, very Pokemon in in their their theme. You're one of two, you and your buddy slash nemesis, and you get to choose one of three Temtems, and then you're heading off to the Temtem Academy or whatever the fuck it's called. I can't remember the exact name. So there's a lot of shit that's that's the same. But there are a number of elements that actually are different as you are going along further. Not that radically different, not by any stretch. But there are some elements that are that at least when you're playing, you're you're not thinking, oh my god, this is Pokemon. But then every once in a while, you come across the the um, their embodiment of Team Rocket, and you're going, oh yeah, this is this is very. <laughs> very much Pokemon. Uh, and as much as the Team Rocket, which we've got to see a lot of in, in Let's Go, gets annoying as fuck. Oh my God, at least they don't speak. Their their leader is, and I shit you not, this is the name they decided to give this, Lady Lottie Athel fled Victoria Elizabeth of Mudshy Lockburg, Countess of Brayside, who speaks in thous and these and all of this bullshit. So that's a little annoying. Um, the battle system is quite a bit similar to older Pokemon with the turns and things like that, and the speed and and all. It's, it's again Pokemon battles. There are a lot of um, two Temtem battles, not two uh, two versus two is what I mean. Uh, even when you are bouncing into them while you're out in the wild, which this is not like the new Let's Go where you can see the Temtems, you, they pop up on you all over the fucking place. And in some cases, all over the fucking place all the time. And um, often you'll get two of them that are attacking you at the same time, which isn't a big deal, and it's certainly helping you level faster. But they're not joking when they tell you, use your potions and shit, because it's tough, and it is. So because of that, and because of how much health they can take off your po- your, your Temtem, even if you're substantially higher level than them, you find yourself often heading back to town to heal up because the bombs start to get expensive and every time you lose a fight as well you lose money and when you get to the higher i I, quote unquote higher level like two three cities in kind of thing um you're losing a lot of fucking money and then being shot all the way back to the poke center so it's it's a little annoying now it was it, it, there was still a lot of fun a- aspects to it. I I like the the to a certain degree the grinding out your team to level them up, um, because when you get to, I stopped at that lady. No, I went a little bit further. I went to the next one. But this lady Lottie, her her two much like Team Rocket kind of thing. She got a couple of people protecting her right there, and that team the levels are like fucking like. They jump from like 16 or so to like uh, 22, 23, if not a little higher. So, and one of those motherfuckers keeps hitting you with the same spell and it does a significant amount of damage until you find a Temtem that can withstand it. And you keep getting sent back and losing a small fortune all the time. And then you got to make your way all the way back, trying very hard not to have any encounters because that knocks out your health if you can't run away from them. And then you're spending what little money you have on bombs right before you get to this, which is substantially higher. So like that to me feels like a an alpha thing that'll hopefully get fixed. 
But there's elements like that here and there that they would really need to work on so that it doesn't feel like they're kicking you in the crotch periodically because that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like a challenge to overcome. It feels like a kick to the crotch. So I'm, I'm really hoping that gets fixed. There's elements, like I said, that I like. I like the Spanish influence periodically because it is uh, they are Spanish devs. And I like the um, the the look of it is is absolutely gorgeous. There's not a lot in terms of attack animations and stuff other than like a puff of smoke. But again, the the act of catching them, I'm assuming they're going to put a little bit more into it. But it's again, it's 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 very much Pokemon. So at this point here, I've I've reached a point where it's like, okay, I'll have fun with this. It might still have some elements that irk me when it comes out, but I know that I'll have fun with it. And in the ways that Let's Go didn't allow me to grind out to get my team that I wanted and max them out and all that, this will allow me to do that. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I will almost certainly pick it up on the Switch. I'll switch my thing over to, to Switch because I this is a good game to, for me to play while I'm just watching TV with Karen at night kind of thing. So... I I probably won't use a lot of the elements that they're planning on putting in to make it more like an MMO. It was fun chatting with people here and there, but I, I don't know that it'll have enough to hold me to start a guild or to join a guild kind of thing in there, but who knows? We'll see. But it was, it was cool in some regards. For an alpha, it actually was fairly polished. There's a few things that... I feel definitely need some work, but that might be what they're planning to go with. So we'll see when it comes out. But overall, it's it's a solid alpha. I, I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going to go from here. I probably, like I said, I probably won't play too much from this point on just because they've made it clear they're going to be wiping constantly and you're not going to be able to retain your thing. And because of how grindy it is at certain elements, I'm not going to keep redoing that grind. So I like what they've got. I'll let it go at that and maybe bounce in every once in a while and, and see where it goes. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's some elements to it that are, are very good. I'm interested. I'm interested in what they're going to do with it. Um, I'm curious to see as it moves through the various stages, how you feel about it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to further. Yeah. Again, there's, there's elements that, uh, that I really like. It's, it would have been interesting to play this before Let's Go and to see how differently I would feel about it because Let's Go did do certain things very well. And like you've said too, it, it, it cannot be overstated how much better it is to see the Pokemon all over the place. It just works on every level. And unfortunately, now without that, you're back to that being stopped every few feet and going, oh, for fuck's sakes. Because you're out of bombs because the, the 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 fights up ahead were too hard and you lost all your goddamn money. So I I'm I'm a little critical of it because of certain elements now that I've been spoiled. But we'll see going forward, like I said. Okay, moving on from there, we're gonna talk about some Lego DC supervillains because you polished it off on your stream. I got to see most of it, but not all. I missed a chunk in the middle there. But there's no denying how much you like that game. It was pretty apparent <laughs> watching you. I really, really did enjoy the game. I think it's probably the best story that's been in a Lego game in, I don't know, forever. 
Like so far, this has definitely been the best. And the main storyline took me about 10 hours to finish, which is pretty good for one, a Lego game and two, the price point of the game, which is, you know, 40 bucks. So like, it's a really good price, really good length. The story is really, really good. Um, now, the interesting thing for me is when I finished the game, you got a choice of your character was either going to stay with the villains or join the heroes. I stayed with the villains and then it started doing something that was really cool, um, but very confusing to me, which is I started on Apocalypse and there was more story, but not in like a continuation of like a linear thing. It was you're go doing all the hero bits now with what was going on in between all of the supervillain bits, which was really, really interesting. And I, it looks like there's still more. So I don't know what's going on there. I'm probably going to be popping back in, not on stream to kind of to dig around a little bit, but it's, it was really, really well done. Voice acting was top notch. Gameplay was phenomenal. Uh, minus a few hiccups here and there, which, you know, whatever, they weren't that big of a deal. Um, but yeah, I really, really liked it. And I, I, also appreciated that I could, you know, play as negative Bob Ross and run around hitting people with caustic paint. It was great. It was very noticeable how different a game it was because it was the villains. And maybe for people who are not familiar with the characters, it wouldn't have been that impactful for them because they would have just thought, oh, okay, you're running with the bad guys, play the game. But because we know the characters and we've so rarely been able to play as them or with them kind of thing, it's very interesting. You're always used to having either Batman or, or, or Green Lantern or Superman in your wings or Wonder Woman or whatever. It's kind of cool instead to have, you know, Joker or all of these other characters. And the fact that so many of the voices were the original voices that, well, yes, the originals that we were used to, that that really sucks you into it that much more so that you feel, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these, I'm one of them. And it was cool to see you playing it because you can see it on the player for us as the viewers kind of thing. And it it's quite obvious how much more fun it was to play as one of the baddies. The other thing I will say that I think is is very DC versus Marvel is... All of the Marvel games that I've played for for the Lego side of the house, while they have humor, they really seem to take themselves just a little too seriously. And then you combine it with characters that are their voices seem incongruous to like what they are. And it just always feels a little bit off. And that was one of the, the reasons why I still haven't finished uh, Marvel Lego superheroes too. Like I just haven't finished it. And Instead, I played through this because, one, the humor was, I think, infinitely better. They they didn't take themselves seriously at all. Even when Batman's on the screen, he's making terrible dad jokes. He's, he's doing, like, weird, wacky bullshit. He's not taking himself seriously. And then you have the iconic voice actors from, like, the 90s cartoon and, and everything else like that. Like, you have this perfect combination of just a fun game with really great performances that feel right at home and i thought that was really well done i thought it was really clever like no one of the one of the highlights for me is like merlin comes on and it's barrelman like it's actually barrelman playing merlin and i thought that was fucking fantastic like these little moments and he nails it he nails that 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 levity and, and that that humor 
but still gets the heart of the character. And I was like, yeah, this, this is cool. This is great. So it, it was just all around really great experience. And honestly, if you can't tell by now, I'm highly recommending that if you like Lego games, if you like DC at all, uh, or comic characters, just in general, this is a game worth picking up. I mean, again, at 40 bucks, I'm at 10 hours and there's pro- there looks like there's more game for me to play. You don't get that out of $60 games these days. I was confused at the end as well with the apocalypse stuff. When I was watching, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I thought it was done. And it didn't really make sense. But if what you're saying is that these are the adventures that happened with the superheroes while you were playing the game, then that's actually pretty cool. That'd be, especially if it ties in and you can see how it ties into what you were yep. doing at the time. That That's, hell, you're, it's... It's like getting an extra game kind of thing. You're getting the both sides of it. Okay, let's move on from there because you also wanted to talk about Mutant Year Zero. Yeah, Mutant Year Zero is um, a weird game. We talked about it a while ago, but we finally got to see some gameplay from it in the last few weeks because builds are starting to go out where reviewers are starting to play through like some very introductory, very early levels of it. But it's this wonderful combination of story third person tactics like XCOM, but also stealth in real time as well. And from what I saw, it transitioned pretty well uh, minus the quirks of a obvious player in that video that didn't really play these types of games. Um, But it was really nice because you had this overworld almost section where you have the mutants, which was, you know, one was a duck. The other one was a pig. Uh, going through trying to find scrap to fix the arc while trying to avoid uh, basically people that want to eat the mutants. Um, people is loose, but they're like weird, deranged things. Uh, and you can go through and sort of explore off the beaten path. Uh, there's there's sort of a... It encourages you to do that to find extra things like either side missions or little bits of story. Um, or just, you know, real cool things that happen to be in the overworld. And then when you do encounter uh, something that can be fought, you have options. Like, not everything has to be fought in the game. You can try to get around things. Uh, You can try to stealth your way through it. There is a stealth mechanic to it. You can set up ambushes using that stealth mechanic that once the ambush goes off, then you go into the turn-based XCOM-style combat, and it works really, really well. I'm super, super intrigued by all of this. Uh, and combine the anthrop- anthropomorphic, weird, mutant, animal sort of story that's going on with it as well. And it's just weird enough to catch my attention. I- I- I'm definitely in. Again, dude, get the fucking pass. <laughs> it-, it pays, the game pays for the pass if you were to buy the game. Like, that's, that's what I've been telling people. If there's one game on the pass that you like, just get the fucking pass. It, it's cheaper. Um, I'll be playing this immediately as soon as it comes out. There was a gameplay video. When we had talked about it last time, there was one gameplay video. It wasn't very long. Um, that's why when you posted this, I thought, is this the same one we've already seen? But no, it is a different one. It was quite a bit longer, too. So it was good to see this other mission and it also included more of the lore of them talking about what's going on at the arc and, and, and the different characters therein. So I, I really appreciated that. And no, you're, everything you said is exactly how I feel about it. Everything 
works. The moving around like an ARPG kind of thing, the, the stealth mechanics of avoiding fights that you that they're way too high leveled is intelligent. And then when it transitions into the tactical gameplay, it just was beautiful. It just looked slick as hell. And so, yeah, no, I can't wait to play either. It's, it's everything I love about XCOM. Because I wasn't here the last time you guys were talking about it. I uh, forget why. I think it was our scheduling issue. So it's everything I love about XCOM, and you guys know I love me some XCOM, but refined to the next level with being able to move outside of combat freely is huge. That is the thing that I hated the most about XCOM. Is it's essentially like exploring a dungeon while everybody's still in turn order in D&D. Like it's, it's mechanically, sure, okay, it makes sense, but from from a fun standpoint, no thank you. And just the game itself, like the the style and the the quirkiness to it it's definitely a game i'm gonna be playing pretty much a lot it's december isn't it soon december 4th tomorrow that's tomorrow (laughs) is it really december 4th yep oh dude shit tomorrow all of a sudden got better (laughs) okay well we'll be talking about this next week folks because seriously i'm playing the shit out of this I cannot fucking wait. That's awesome. All right. Okay. Was there anything else with uh, Mutant Year Zero you wanted to cover? That's pretty much it. Like, it's just they're hitting every button, and I like these weird type of games where, like, it's not getting a lot of hype. It's not getting a lot of, like, push, like, this is the next big thing. It's just just being what it's being and throwing it out there and seeing who wants to just sort of latch on, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I'm digging. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's close up with some Destiny 2 events. Right. So first of all, I actually picked up Forsaken over Black Friday because, you know, it was you know? a decent sale. And I, I've everything I've been hearing about the story, like I've been doing my research, I'm like, okay, for me, this is worth $30. So I picked it up on sale for $30. Did not have a chance to start playing it until today. And of course, PSN shit the band, shit shit the bed. Yeah, I noticed that. So <laughs> I only got a chance to play the first couple story missions and a, like a little bit of free roam stuff after that. And much like with the original Destiny Two campaign, from what I've seen so far, Bungie's really good at this <laughs> when they have the time and are willing and capable to put in the effort to a good cinematic campaign. They absolutely pull it off. Uh, the first mission is you going to the prison with Cade and like we, we've seen in the cinematics like, oh, yeah, Cade gets to be a badass. The entire mission is just Cade being awesome. It, it's it's of course we know he's fucking dying. So he, it's his like last uh, you know, time in the spotlight. And it's just an absolute blast to just be doing one last mission with him and see him turned up to 11 is the best way I can describe it. And then after that, the stuff between Ikora and Zavala, where we know Ikora is the emotional one and she just wants to go and rip apart what's left of the reef. But Zavala being Zavala is like, no, we have a job to do. We can't do that. And like oh, lots of interesting new characters coming in. Petra Venge, the, the warden of the prison, who I didn't know until I started playing. Not even a guardian, just an absolute badass. <laughs> so much like Hawthorne, that's uh, something to look forward to with that character. Uh, so I got to the point where I'm now in the reef and we've made contact with one of the fallen that are there because uh, Aldrin and the Scourge 
they're not they're being just as mean to the fall like the regular fallen as they are to what's left of the awoken and the reef as well so it's a matter now we're at the point where i can't progress with the story missions until i do some of the open world stuff so i have to do some bounties and whatnot like hunt down actual escaped prisoners in uh open world content which for me that's actually a really interesting way to go about it instead of just story mission story mission story mission okay kick you out into what's left of the game mixing in the the other elements with the story missions gets you a lot more bang for your buck and makes you feel more involved with the world so far so yeah. really enjoying it uh, and even though i played as recently as warmind logging back in to the the forsaken update felt like a completely different game with all the different systems like I was overwhelmed at a point with like new UI elements and everything. I was like, they, they changed a lot. I still can't tell you how much was for the better or for the worse. Cause it's still a lot to take in, but they definitely put a lot of effort into changing things. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I saw the sale as well. And I was like, not yet. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit less and you'll, you'll have me, but not yet. Well, I I did not buy the season pass. I just bought straight, forsaken upgrade so you're not going to get the new stuff that they've been talking about then no and i probably won't just because from what i'm telling it's not content for me so let's get into that because the black armory the first of their new season dlc launches tomorrow and they broke down exactly what you can expect to have if you pay for the season pass and if you don't because uh like all the regular events and stuff that's still in there uh, the new Eververse, of course, that's going to be in there. Iron Banner, uh, the Crucible and Vanguard rank stuff, like everything they're adding to that you get as a free player, it, as well as the actual power level increase. Uh, power level, I don't know what the hell it's at now, but it's going up by 50. And you will be able to get gear even without the DLC up to that power level. It might be a little more difficult without the content to do so, but as a free player, you still have access as well as uh, a number of new triumphs and uh, lore to find to go along with it as well. As far as the actual paid content of the Black Armory, it, it, the paid content is just that. It's the Black Armory content and the new raid. That's all you're getting with the paid content. But I... I mean, again, as a person who doesn't plan on purchasing it, that's okay with me because this is a very much an end game grindy style uh, DLC, which we've come to establish core Destiny players love this shit. So if they're playing to their fan base, again, I'm not going to criticize for them for it. What the Black Armory is, is apparently a very old uh, throwback to the, the pre-collapse and it was a top-tier weapons manufacturer made up of three different families from uh, Norway, Japan, and France, interestingly enough. And they've been staying underground and staying off Zavala's radar until now, where they've realized they need help. And the, the, the Black Armory forges are falling into enemy hands, and they can't have that. So they're inviting in guardians with... Uh, the new uh, point person, I God, I lost her name. She's a she's a an EXO Anna One, I think her name was. Let's go with that. Uh, it invites her in as invites you in as the the caretaker of the Black Armory, and the content is essentially like horde mode stuff, kind of like what we saw with um, Escalation Protocol and whatever the one that came after that was, where it's you know high end 
group content. Uh, from what I could tell, the Black Armory stuff is not public in the same way Escalation Protocol was. It's more matchmaking. I don't, I can't confirm that. It's just the kind of vibe I get. Uh, where you go in and you have to protect a forge from enemies and it builds a weapon for you and you fuck off before you get overwhelmed. So it, it, the cool stuff is the actual weapons that are coming out of the Black Armory. Since there's this entire DLC planned around weapons, they went ape shit on some of these. Uh, there's a new uh, fusion cannon. It's the the Jotun. It's obviously one designed by the Norwegian family based on Norse mythology, and it's a fusion cannon, but it's unlike the normal fusion gun that you hold like a gun, it wraps around your arm like a Mega Man Mega Buster. <laughs> uh, the... the I forget what it's called. The French one is uh, this bow that like shoots pools of acid. And the one that they've really been talking about is the Izanagi's Burden. It's a sniper rifle that holds four bullets in its clip. But if you hold down the reload button while it's already full, it compresses all four of those bullets into one to do ludicrous amounts of damage. Jesus. So they, they've thrown balance out the window for as near yeah, really? as I can tell. <laughs> they, like they showed off like crazy grenade launchers, uh, heavy machine guns are finally making a comeback in the game. So the actual Black Armory DLC, if for people who like this style of gameplay, seems like it's going to be very interesting. Again, it's, it's it doesn't thick. appeal to me, so I'm happy to pass at this point. Think about that in the Crucible. Jesus Christ, a headshot with that. Uh, no, no, you don't even need a headshot. <laughs> They they straight up it, it, they they put out a, a trailer earlier tonight showing off some of the new weapons and it was just a shot to center mass completely killed a guardian. Oh damn, that's. But again, you're using four bullets to do that. Presumably, it's a it's a power weapon. You're not going to have that much ammo. So I mean, if you want to dedicate that much resources to definitely getting one kill, I I feel there's a balance there. Maybe. You, you just want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a terrible sniper, so it doesn't matter to me. Man, I can see that being used a lot. Not that mm -hmm. that's a bad thing, but it might be interesting. Alrighty. Okay, was well, there anything else? Yes, there's actually something that just dropped not that long before we went live. Uh, <laughs> come to find out that uh, while there might not be a whole lot of story content here outside of the Black Armory, there is a cutscene people found that is carrying on the story. So these, this is going to be some forsaken spoilers, but I don't think it's really going to ruin too much uh, with a, a ghost flying around. Uh, they believe this ghost to be uh, the one called Pulled Pork. Uh, he's been named that by other guardians because he's been going around the galaxy for hundreds of years trying to find his guardian. Uh, still has never found him. Uh, and the ghost in this little cinematic finally finds their guardian, resurrects them, and this is the spoiler point, and it's Prince Uldren Sov. So, of course, we know Uldren Sov is the, the big bad of the Forsaken expansion. He's the one that kills Cade. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it makes perfect sense that he would be dead at the end of Forsaken. <laughs> so now him being resurrected as a guardian is very interesting, uh, in, in, especially insofar as guardians have no memories of their previous lives. So he's not going to know why everybody fucking hates him. And the interactions between him and Zavala and Ikora, that's going to be some very interesting stuff to look forward to in the future. 
Yeah. See, man, all the other shit I could care less about. It's the fucking epic storylines mm-hmm. that I want to play through. And that's, again, when I tell people about the game and if they ask if they should play it or not, I tell them, yeah, especially when they were doing that freebie for a bit there with BlizzCon. I was like, yeah, play through it. The story is phenomenal. It's it's afterwards when they try to nickel and dime you or fuck you with experience or shit like that. That's, well, that's bungee at this point. But the actual storyline, like, again, once this is a sale that I feel is justifiable for giving them money, I am actually really looking forward to playing it because it, it does sound fantastic, and I love yeah. those characters. I mean, go back uh, pretty much exactly a year ago. Well, a little more because it was around this time when Curse of Osiris came out and completely ruined the fucking game. But, uh, you know, a year and a couple of months ago, all of us were raving about the game, yeah. how great the story was, how amazing the experience was. That hasn't changed. And it's just like Joe was saying with LEGO Supervillains, 40 bucks was a good deal for him for the amount of entertainment he got out of it for me $30 is is a pretty good trade-off for me on this one but everybody's going to have their own point their own tipping point for some people that was full price plus season passes for for others it'll be uh maybe $20 so but eventually everybody's going to get their time in there and the way they're handling the DLC this season it's not story-based DLC so it feels like if you're not in the game for the long haul and you don't want to feel obligated to pick it up every couple months and do the grinds and everything, that, that's okay. Yeah, if you can go in months after the release of the expansion and just go in, do your story stuff and get the fuck out, I am so on board for that. That's, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I want from Destiny right now. It's not, it's not what we wanted a year ago, no. but... It's what we want now. It's what we're okay with now. <laughs> yeah, your priorities change after a while and after everything that this game's been through. So, anyways, okay, was there anything else? Uh, no, just uh, I'll be continuing to give my uh, thoughts on it going forward. I know Marty's been kind of hushed on it for not wanting to ruin too much, but uh, I think the statute of limitations is expired oh, on that. We'll be talking about it a lot more going forward. Good. All right. That is going to wrap it up for tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe is loaders at J. Vince is Simodian and Marty is Officer Gleason. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. <laughs>